this um, past couple of months, Carol and I decided to go back on a date because our kid's older now. We can actually leave them with the, the sitter. Um, so we started dating each other again. We used to have our date night, and then, you know, kids just ruin things, right? We have three of them, <laughs> date night, bam, no more date nights for a long time. And then so finally, our third one is old enough. We can leave them with a, a sitter. So um, I planned the whole date, pull out my Yelp, and then, oh, wow, four and a half stars. And so I took her to a Mexican restaurant. Now, at a Mexican restaurant, when you get there to sit down, what do they give you first? Chips and salsa. Chips and salsa. Is it free? Oh, you think so, right? <laughs> you hope so. It's, I'm sure it's included, but it's free. It's not on the bill. And so we sat down, and, and it was like, oh, so nice. No kids, no one, like no spills on me. No one's under the table. No kid trying to climb over to the other side. Nothing spilling everywhere. We don't have to apologize to the, the waiter, the you know, waitress the whole time. It was just nice. Ah, peaceful. We just sit there. Like Sometimes we just sit in silence. It's so nice. No sound whatsoever. Don't even have to talk. That was quality time right there. But we sat there. We, they gave us chips and salsa. And so what do you do with chips and salsa? Yeah. You know, not, like how many of you have not eaten the chips and salsa? Let's see. No one. Oh, oh man. <laughs> we got one person. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. But hey, that's self-control if you can't eat it. So what you automatically do, you're sitting there talking and that you ate and you just keep on going. Like you push the automatic button, like chips and salsa button, right? You keep feeding yourself, feeding yourself the whole time. And then they come and take the order and then you wait like half an hour and there you go. And the guy like halfway, more salsa, sir? Sure, bring it on, right? More chips, sir? Bring it on. Like, you just keep on piling and piling. And then by the time we ordered and then the food came, ah, oh, the food. Mexican restaurant. I ordered steak. I don't know why I would order steak at a Mexican restaurant, and they had steak like in a pool of tapatio sauce. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is heaven for a guy, for a guy who loves tapatio. So the steak was like 10 ounce steak with this whatever, I don't care what else, just, just steak with the tapatio sauce. And I cut into the steak, and it was perfect, medium raw. I love it. And it was like barely cooked. It's like, they just slap stuff on there. You're like, you know, and then I realized, you know, it's not as good. I ate the whole thing. I gave some to Carol. And then after I'm done, it's like, man, I'm so full. How can a piece of steak fill me up? And then after the steak, New York cheesecake. Oh, I love New York cheesecake. Came and we shared it. We barely finished the New York cheesecake. And walking away from that, I thought to myself, you know, Darn salsa. Ruined my appetite. I was really looking forward to the steak. I saw pictures on Yelp. I was like, I'm going to have that. And you know, the way they... But somehow, when we sat there, we kept... We didn't realize it. We kept eating and eating the salsa and the chips. And it ruined our appetite. I mean, I could have enjoyed that steak way more than I did. But the salsa ruined it for me. I wasn't really hungry for the steak. I was just like, oh, it came, so we ate it. I, my, uh, Carol and I love New York cheesecake. And we barely enjoyed that, barely finished it. Because we were both filling ourselves up with chips and salsa. Now, why am I telling you this crazy story? It's because in the Bible, in Matthew 5, 6 says, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's such a simple verse, but man, I could probably could write a book about that. I'm sure someone has written a book about it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What does that mean? It means, blessed are those who want to get it right. For they will, be, they will get it right eventually. God will give them the help. 
that they want. That you become blessed when you make an effort to get it right. Not always get it right, because none of us will ever get it right all the time, right? For those of us who have the effort, who make the effort to get it right. So the Bible says, blessed, you are blessed if you are trying to get it right. That is good news because I don't have to get it right. I'm just trying to get it right, right? And God will bless me for the effort in putting it to it. Now, what is getting it right? Getting it right with God. Have a good relationship with God. And so if you hunger and thirst to get it right, you're blessed. But you know what? A lot of times we don't hunger and thirst to get it right. Isn't that right? Sometimes like, oh man, I'm so busy. I don't have time to hunger and thirst whatever the get it right is with God, right? I, you don't really think about it that way. And so what it, it begs the question, what, is, what would cause us to not hunger and thirst to get it right with God? I think two things. One, we eat the chips and salsa too much to enjoy the main course. You know what I mean? We eat a lot of junk food. We fill ourselves up with such, so much junk food that you're not hungry for real food. Does that make sense? I think in our life today that we fill ourselves so much with our schedule and everything is packed. If you look at my schedule, oh my goodness, we fill it, fill it up by the 15 minutes. And if one 15 minute is off, the rest is the whole day is all messed up. From the time we get up all the way till the time we, get, we go to sleep, we fill ourselves up with so much that there's no room for God. That's the chips and salsa. And God, what does God fit? Oh, I don't know, I'm too busy, maybe tomorrow. Right? I don't have an appetite for God right now. I think a lot of times we don't hunger and thirst for God because we're full of junk food. We don't have any appetite left for real food. The second reason why we don't get hungry, let's not think about it in physical terms. Why don't we get hungry? Fill up with junk food? My kids especially? You know, when it's dinner time, what do they look for? Junk food, right? Oh, chips. Oh, like, you know, they climb up to get into the, ca the cabinets to get in the chips. They find Oreo cookies, stale cookies from last week. It doesn't matter. They just want to eat it, and they eat it. And then when the dinner time comes, they're just sitting there picking on their food because they're not hungry anymore. They ruin their own appetite. That's the first reason. The second reason why we don't get hungry is because we're sick, right? You guys remember when you're sick? Do you feel like eating? No. The last thing you want to do is eat. And if you force yourself too much, what happens? Bad things that we shouldn't be saying before lunch happens when you eat too much, right? And when you don't feel like it and you're sick. And so maybe, possibly some of us, we don't hunger and thirst for God because we are spiritually sick. Does that make sense? Maybe you're spiritually sick, usually of a virus in our physical body. Maybe there's a spiritual virus in your, in your life that you need to get rid of. And the Bible says that God is a great doctor that can heal all sorts of diseases, including spiritual diseases, especially. That is awesome. But I'm not here to talk about all that boring, no, all that uh, depressing stuff. We are all here today because we want to get it right. You and I, we're here to, because we want to get it right. We want to hear from God. We want to listen to God. We want to obey God. We want to figure out how does it fit in my life? How does it fit when I leave this place right here? How does that work when I get into my car? How does it work into my vocabulary? How does it work into my schedule? How does God work? What does God want me to do with my family? How does God want me to raise my kids? What does God want me to do with my money? So all these things, we want to get it right. 
Right? That's why we come here together. Because we want to hear from God so we can get it right. That's why we're here. And so let me give you four big things in our life that we can get right. And I hope that these will be mind-blowing, mind-changing for some of you. Um, I know it has been for me. But before I start that, let me tell you a quick story of how, what happened. And all, will, all four major things will happen. It will be revolve around that story. Jesus, uh, one day he was out in the wilderness somewhere and he was teaching. And then people started flocking to him. And uh, they came, they brought people to him, sick people, and he healed them, and he taught them all, you know, the good news, God's word. And they came, and their lives were being changed. And so a crowd started building around Jesus. How many people do you think was a crowd back then? In this specific stories, how many? Anybody? 50, 100, right? No. 5,000 people. 5,000 men. Not including women and children. So we can safely assume there are 10,000. Now that is not a small crowd, right? So this one guy, he's Jesus, teaching, healing, and all that. So 10,000 people all around him. And he taught them from midday probably until evening. And evening came. 10,000 people are there. And guess what? They're hungry. You, can, you know, you stand in there, you got 10,000 people with their stomach gurgling. And, like, you know, uh, and so the disciple says, Jesus, Lord... The people are hungry. Send them away. Send them to the marketplace so they could buy stuff to eat. As if it's that easy, right? And Jesus said, he looked at them and he said, get this, you give them something to eat. And so they pulled out their wallet. Like, hey, how much you got? And all 12 disciples, they pulled their money together and get like 50 bucks maybe, right? They're like, there's no way we could feed 10,000 people. It would take two years' wage just to pay just to pay for the food for the amount of people there. And that's what they told Jesus. And then someone says, oh, I have a better idea. We found five loaves of barley bread. And how many fish? Two fish. From some kid's lunch. Can you imagine? I don't know if they beat them up to take the lunch, or they ask the kid, or it's one of their kids. I don't know. But five loaves of bread and two fish. And they said, Jesus, this is all we have. And Jesus says, tell them to sit down in small groups. Can you imagine how many small groups of 10,000 people all over this side of the mountain? And then Jesus took the bread and the fish and he gave thanks and he brought it down and he said, pass it out. And they passed it out. Everybody ate until they were full. And at the end, they had 12 baskets because there are 12 disciples. They all went around and they collected the leftover barley bread, filled up 12 baskets leftovers. Why did they do that? Two reasons. One, because they want to be clean. Can you imagine how much bread all over the place, right? Two, is because Jesus wanted them to see the abundance of God's blessing from five loaves and two fish, right? So after all this, and the people, 10,000 of them, said, wow, this is the guy, the chosen one, the Messiah who is going to save us. Let's make him king. And Jesus says, oh, nope, wrong king. I'm not here for that kind of kingship. And so he left them, and he went to a mountainside all by himself. And then they walked around, and they looked, where did, the, where did he go? I don't know if he's like, woof, gone, like, pow, smoke bomb, ninja stuff, ninja style, disappeared, went somewhere, I don't know. But he left them, and he went to be with his heavenly father, spent time with his father. And people walked around looking for him. Eventually, they found him, and they said, there you are, how long have you been here? And Jesus says, oh, you found me. Not because you're looking for something special, but you're looking for more bread. 
because I gave you bread to eat. Imagine. And they're like, what? He says, let me tell you, don't look for that kind of bread because that kind of bread is temporary. Fills your stomach for now. Later on, you're going to be hungry again. Look for bread that will stop your hunger for eternity. And they said, Lord, tell us what to do to get this bread. And Jesus said, I am that bread. Believe in me. It doesn't even make sense. At the same time, it does make sense. And so four things. How to get it right. How to have a right relationship. The first one, have a right relationship with God by believing. So Jesus says, you're looking for that kind of bread. You're buying the wrong stuff. Now come to me. Believe in me and you will be satisfied. Now, that word is so easy. Believe. Isn't it? What does believe mean? We read the Bible, we see that word all the time. Okay, everybody. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever, what? Believe, believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean? How do I believe? Is it something I can go and buy? Is it something I can get more of? How do I get more belief? Right? How, how do I get stronger belief? How do I get deeper belief? How, how do I have more of that belief thing? And you can see some people, they believe more. Some people have believed less. And some people don't believe at all. What does that mean? We hear that verse and it's so easy. But what does belief mean? So let me see if I could diagram this for you. And uh, hopefully it will make sense. And not confuse you further. So belief, when in just regular non-spiritual God belief. But in our regular day, how do we learn? How do we gain things? How do we learn about things? What are some of the ways? We learn by what? Google. All right, all right, okay. So we, we go Google, all right, and reading. How else? Taught, yeah. Someone through teaching. What else? Watching, okay, that I'll, I'll call it observing. Sound kind of fancy. All right, what else? Experience, yes. A lot of what we know is from experience. And then we've, this is what really makes us believe things strongly, right? I tell my kids, don't touch that candle, it's hot. And so the baby goes, I said, don't touch it. And yeah, he gets mad and he reaches over. I was like, okay, I warned you. He reaches in, and then he cries and cries and cries. I try to console him and said, yep, it's hot. The next time there's a candle, he goes hot. <laughs> he doesn't even touch it because of experience, right? And so we learn. That's just enough right there. And so we learn through all these things. And why does God emphasize so much on belief? Because through all this, we build what's called a worldview. Our worldview tells us how to behave. What comes out of here? Is behaving. Does that make sense? When I realize that, that fire is hot, I know in my mind it's hot. I won't touch it anymore. When I observe other people doing things, I see a guy on his skateboard going down this ramp and he falls and hurts himself really badly, I tell myself, note to self, do not skateboard down that ramp the way that guy is. So it changes my worldview, it changes my behavior, right? Next time, Stay off the skateboard. All right, so you got teach, 
When you get in school, the teacher tells you stuff, right? They teach you all sorts of stuff. Some things are right, some things are wrong. And you learn, it builds your worldview and you behave that way. Your belief, this is the belief, determines your behavior. A lot of times, we focus so much on behavior. As Christians, for example, I need to stop lying. I need to love people. I need to stop cheating on tests. I need to manage my money, not overspend. I need to love my neighbor that I can't get along with. Right? I need to be nice to my wife. I need to stop beating up my kids. Right? So all, all these behavior right here. But if we go back to, to your belief, why do you spend so much? It's because you were taught to spend a lot. You grew up in a family. Does that make sense? It all comes from here. And, but we focus so much on, I need to stop lying. Well, why were you lying? Because I can't help myself. I grew up in a family of lies about everything. They don't have a choice. I, so, you know, you, and so you start behaving this way. So we look at the root of the problem here, and it twists this way. Now, here's what's amazing about that. God comes along, and He says, believe in me. What does that mean? Cross this out. You hear the, the words in the... In the Bible, all the time, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Do not what? Lean on your own understanding, your belief. And so it doesn't look like that anymore. God says that that's your world, but my world is this way. And this is God speaking into your belief. He turns things upside down. That's why God's way feels completely upside down and backwards. Because when God speaks, if He is the only source that we have into believing, and then we come out more loving, we come out more forgiving, we come out more generous, more kind, more compassionate. Jesus doesn't teach us a lot about what to do. He teaches us about what to believe. Does that make sense? And I think it's so important that we get this because we keep focusing so much on what we do. But if we don't understand what we do, where it came from, why, that we do because we believe, we can't really control this. A lot of behaviors that I have on this side, and so people say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I need to be more loving. Yeah, that's loving, but if that's all you focus on and your belief is not about loving, it's going to be very hard for you to live lovingly. Right? Oh, I'm a Christian. I should not be so worldly and spend so much money on things. Well, if you don't believe what God says about things and money, you're just going to keep doing it. You can fight yourself, but you're not going to win. And so that's why the Bible says that you come and get it right with God by letting God speak into your life, change your belief system, and therefore the consequences of things will change here. And that's why it's so amazing. When we have branches, our group come together, or when you guys come together like this, you hear God's word, you're like, wow. It twists your belief, doesn't it? Right? And then you start living differently. You don't even have to try. This is automatic. And the people around you are like, well, you know, I noticed, I noticed there's something different about you. You're like, what? Really? I didn't realize that. But it's because your mind changed, so your behavior changes. I hope that makes sense. And so the Bible... And Jesus comes along 
And he says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you hunger and thirst to change your belief, to hunger and thirst for God, your belief will change and your life will be right with God. So how to get right with God? Believe. So simple. Not a lot to do. Just one thing. Believe. And you can look at through the Bible all sorts of mind-changing stuff. Believe. The kids are learning about Noah. Noah is such a great example. Because God says, hey, Noah, build an ark. And they're like, what's an ark? Is that an animal? No, it's a boat. Okay. Uh, there's going to be rain. What's rain? I've never seen rain. God watered everything from the ground up. There's going to be a flood. What's a flood? Never, none of it made sense to him. But Noah believed God, the Bible says. Did not make sense to him, but he believed God. He accepted what God says, and he lived it out. For 80 years, he built a boat. Not a single drop of water, probably. Never seen rain. Probably not even clouds in the sky. And at the end, it paid off. His whole family was saved. So when people come, come around looking for Jesus... Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which, is the son of man, which the Son of Man will give. For on him God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Then they asked Jesus, what must we do to do the works God required? So you see what it's saying? They're saying, they're saying God, Jesus, tell us what to do. What to do? And Jesus says, no, it's not about doing, it's about believing. When you believe, the doing will come automatically. And Jesus said, the work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent. Amen. Amen. I should just stop there because everything else falls off of that. But we'll cover it anyways. Number two, have a, have, have, how to have a right relationship with people. Have a right relationship with people by loving I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I love my wife. Yeah, she loves you back. That's easy. I love my kids. Yeah, they love you back. That's easy. Jesus says, what good is it if you love somebody who loves you back? Real love is when you love somebody and they don't give a hoot about who you are or what you do. That's when it's tough. Are there people like that who just rubs you the wrong way? I have some people like that at work, like, ah, oh, that email again. I just want to just take my, ah, oh, you know, anger on this computer. God says, change your belief. Love them. It doesn't make sense to you, I know. But I'm telling you, believe me. Love them. It'll make sense. It'll come back. And you believe God and you love them. Things will be different. The Bible says that in Galatians 5, 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. We could say we're Christians all day long, but if we don't love each other, we're lying. 1 John 4, 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. Wow, that's not me calling you a liar. It's the Bible calling us a liar when we hate people. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen can cannot love God whom they have not seen. Ouch. The Bible just called me a liar. And it's true. You love people. That's how we express our belief. 
one of the ways that we express our belief here, the fruit of our belief is love. Love people. Number two. Oh, number three. Here's a tough one. Have a right relationship with your money by giving. Now, I'm not saying this because I benefit anything. You know I don't get paid by this. I do this because I love you. I care about you. I spend so much time on this message because I think about you and all of us and how we can all grow together. I'm telling you this because I want you to benefit. Here's an area of growth that a lot of people don't experience. And this is huge because this is an opportunity we get all the time, but we don't think about it. So all of us here, um, how many of you do not have a job? Let's see your hands. Oh, okay. Okay, we're going to collect donations for you guys later. I'm just kidding. So back when you could make money or when you will make money, um, you start with a point. This is, we call it A. And we all have some way, somehow, it gets blurred for some people. But we want to get from A to B. Right? I, I make a certain amount of money each month, and um, I calculate, I do the, you know, I go on Mint and I budget myself, I get alerts and all sorts of stuff, because I want to get from here to here. Here for me is a, a trip to Hawaii, Washington, D.C., going out with my family, eating out, and you know, all these things that I enjoy. Um, also planning for retirement, saving up for the gajillions of dollars for my kids' college funds, you know, all sorts of stuff to get to B. That's what B looks like for me, right? But in order to get from A to B, I need all my money. Does that make sense? So let's say I make $5,000 a month. I need all 5000 in order to get to here. 100% of my money I get from A to B. Makes sense. It shows it on mint.com. It shows it in my checkbook. It shows it in my bank account. It's so easy. And then God comes along and He messes us up. And He says, Hey, whatever you make, Give me 10% of that. And so I pull out my calculator, and I type it up and run my budget. God says to take me from here to here, to, but I'm only using 90%. Will I ever get to be with 90%? The answer is no. The answer is not Jesus, for one. The answer is no. You cannot get from here, A to B, on 90%. But God says, believe me in this 10%. Here's where it's really important. Believe me in this 10%, and I promise you that I will take you not only to B, but all the way to C. Is that even possible? Are you kidding me? I can't even get to B at 90%. How am I going to get to C? God says, that's where belief comes. Trust me. If you live on 90%, I will take you to see. Because you're going to trust me in 10%. A 10% trust. That's not much. But a lot of us have a hard time with that. And believe me, you're looking at the guy who has the, a hard time with that. I cheated God. I robbed from God. I read Malachi. I like, God, I am so guilty. And Malachi says, you have robbed God. Yes, that's me. And I experience the blessing of God when I start doing it. And it does not make any sense. You look at my budget. I don't know how I can get to be 
I don't even know how. I, I, right now, I think I'm beyond C. I don't know how I got there. I can't tell you. But I'm only using 90%. It doesn't make any sense. But you see, it comes back to God believing in God. And he takes you all the way there. That's a tough one. But you get right with your money by giving. Doesn't make any sense, but that's what God says. From the story I told you, John 6, 9. There's a boy with five small barley loaves and two fish. And they said, but how far will they go among so many people? What they're saying is, look, we, you want us to, like, what? 10,000 people with five bread and two fish? Jesus says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. Give it to me. I'll take care of it. And that is so true in our life today. In our finances, in our generosity, in all that. And so if you are missing out on this 10%, giving it to God, you don't have to give it here. I'm not telling you it's because we need money. We don't. This place costs us 100 bucks to rent. That's insane. That is cheap. We used to pay like $4,000. Some of you remember. My goodness, what were we thinking? $4,000 for a one-hour meeting. We don't even get the long period of meeting like this or a kitchen or any of the other stuff. God has blessed us so much with this place. But this is for you, your benefit. That when you start to believe God for this area, He will take you beyond your imagination. It is possible. John 6, 13. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who have been eaten. If you were to ask any of the people there, how did that happen? I don't know. You can ask any mature Christian who does this, you can ask them, how did you get to see? I don't know. I can't explain to you. I can't even put it down as numbers. When did this start happening? I don't know. It just happens. But I'm seeing. I don't know how I got here. Woke up one day and I'm, wow, look, I'm over here. I don't know how it happened. But God makes it happen. Last one. Have a right relationship with your time by prioritizing. We set the church schedule. Those of you who are here, you are here. Let me tell you, our schedule, monthly celebrations, weekly, branch, daily time with God. That's your, that's up to you. I was talking with a friend the other day and he's like, you know, I read the Bible and I, I can't get it. I fall asleep when I try to read it. And so I'd rather you tell me. I said, so let me get this straight. You like food that I chewed up already and then give to you? He said, oh, that sounds disgusting. I said, well, that's really what's happening. You're getting food from me. I, I read the Bible and I get excited and I tell people about it. And they enjoy that. And that's all he gets. And I said, you're eating, you're eating regurgitated food. That's pretty gross. It makes sense, right? You need to get your own food fresh from God. And you can do that. We all have so much access to this. I mean, I, can, I have it on my phone, got it on my iPad, got this right. I rarely read this, by the way. I read it on my iPhone or my iPad or on the computer. It's just so many ways, but we still don't do it. Prioritizing. Monthly celebrations, we come here and we make it easy. Weekly with the branch and smaller groups so you can go deeper. And daily, time with God. Jesus, when, when he was about to be made king, you would think he'll be so excited, but he left and he went to be with his father. Why? Why was he running away? He was not running away. 
He is going to be with his father so he can receive clarity from his father.